0: Is good. You know, the funny thing is, I made that list of songs before all those things happened to me. Isn't that crazy? But all the songs were like for me. I don't know if you enjoyed singing them, but wow, I certainly enjoyed that. (laughs) God, thanks so much for knowing how to speak to us, for knowing how to pour into our lives, for knowing what we need when we need it. Thank you that you're the great provider. Thank you that you have all things in your control. And I pray that you would help us men to relinquish that control completely and totally to you. We, we try to keep our act together and we try to make sure we're, we're doing the right stuff. But ultimately, God, we know that we're, that we're helpless without you. We're dependent on you for everything. So help us to become even more dependent because we understand when your word says your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we'd rather have your strength than our own. So thank you, God. Thank you for being with us this morning. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn around and greet somebody? Give them a good manly high five. Oh, no, not with the hugging. No, high fiving. Come on, (laughs) man.
1: Thank you, man. All right, good morning, guys. How are you? Man, I'm a, I'll tell you this. I think we, uh, after eating that much gravy and biscuits, I think we all deserve a nap at some point later today, huh? The stuff is kind of setting right there, right there. Oh, I think I'm good. I, you know, I appreciate Pastor Brad. You know, he's a, I tell you, this guy, you know, a lot of times we see guys on the stage, and, and it, especially when I, I go to a church and maybe I don't know myself, I say, I wonder if they're like that off the stage. Yeah, because not really, it's hard to impress me. um, Stage stuff doesn't impress me. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, talented people, and there's a lot of charismatic people that can be on a stage. What I'm most impressed with is when men are sincere and authentic off the stage. And I just want to tell you that Brad Parsley is the same on the stage as he is off, and I I love that about him, and I appreciate the way he leads us. So... um, I said, that's a big deal. It's a big deal for all of us, right? When the light's on, when the light's off, let's be the same. If you're bad one way, be bad all the time. If you're good, then be good all the time. <laughs> but anyway, it's good to see all of you this morning. I want to I share a, 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 this is a message, a talk this morning. It took me about 15 minutes to prepare, and that's, a, that's both good and bad sometimes. But this is a message that uh, really came out of my own personal quiet time with the Lord, uh, something that God is, is restoring in me, something that God's doing in me. And as I begin to think about it, I don't share everything that God gives me in my quiet time because a lot of times it's it's for me. But as I begin to think about this idea, this this topic, I I, I suspect that a lot of us in this room struggle with the same things I struggle with. You know, we're all men. We all go through things in life that tend to affect us the same ways. And so this morning I want to talk to you about confidence, about confidence. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read there in a minute in in verse 32, but I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 if you brought your Bible. If not, you're going to have to take my word for it. It'll be on the screen, but you're just going to have to trust that I wrote it down right. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, here's what I feel about most people. When I'm around most people, uh, you you kind of see, a lot of you can't see, but in the middle of this room here, there's one dark piece of carpet. And on both sides, there's a lighter colored carpet. And it seems like this is the middle aisle. This is what is designed to be, you know, a middle aisle here. And, that, and, and to me, this is where God designs us to walk, right down the sweet spot. God's got a, a pretty broad path that's his will. I don't think God's will is a tight wire. I think God's will is, is fair more probably more wider, more broader than we think. And, and so there's a lot of room, a lot of grace that God gives us for what we do during the day. But there's a spot that God has for us. It's a, it's a good spot. It's a, this is a place of confidence. Now, here's most men are on either side of that aisle. A lot of guys live right over here on this side. It's called, this is what I call shame, the, the side of shame, embarrassment, guilt, maybe even a little depression. This is the place where we sometimes camp out. We don't want to live here, but it's easy to get over here. It's easy to have a uh, you know mess up, sin, whatever causes it, a failure. And you find yourself living over here in this spot. Shame, embarrassment, guilt, disappointment. And then there's sometimes when things are going really, really well, a lot of times it's, we, we end up over here. This is a spot I call pride, arrogance, having a higher opinion of yourself than you should. And, and, and to me, now this is just me, this is my observation, you can agree or disagree. I think it's easier, to, I think most guys are quicker to repent of this. Because I think we all know pride and arrogance, that's not the heart of Christ for us. And if you've been a follower of Christ, if you read anything that Jesus said, we know that this is not a good spot to be, pride and arrogance. But, then, but over here is where we tend to camp out a little longer. Now, we know this is not right either, we, but we justify this because we've had bad, our bad behavior. And we think we're, we're doing God a favor by, it's don't, don't confuse repentance with shame. Well, let me just say that again because that's, that's a big idea. Don't confuse repentance with shame. I believe in repentance. I believe it's a lost art. In fact, it's a sign of maturity. Let me tell you how you know if you're walking as a mature follower, a mature man of God. How quick does it take you to repent? Because sinning is, you know, I don't think we should live a lifestyle of sin. But sin, living a sin-free life is, is not possible. I don't care what you say. It's, there's Sin is a part of something we have to deal with. But I believe what captures God's heart, what pleases God the most is how quickly we repent and how quickly we get rid of this shame over here. He didn't die to shame us. Jesus died to set us free, right? He didn't die to shame us. There is therefore now no condemnation. But sometimes we live live a lot longer over here than we should. And and, and there are times we can just swing back and forth. Shame, pride, shame, pride. I mean, throughout the week, but God... It's calling us to live in this place, this victorious place, this place of confidence. The confidence, let me tell you what I, I, this is my definition of confidence. Confidence is when I have right information about myself and I have right information about God. I believe what God says about me and I believe what what he says about himself. That's a place where I can be confident. If I know what's true about Brady and I know what's true about God... I can usually live in a pretty good place of confidence. Confidence, again, is not arrogance. It's not pride. Confidence is being assured of who you are and who he is. Being self-assured of who God is and who I am. And it's also important to know who you're not. Confidence. All right, so let's read this together, Hebrews chapter 10, because the writer here, Paul, goes into an amazing amount of detail about living with this confidence that I'm talking about and that verse 32 these opening sentences are pretty important remember those earlier days after you had received the light now, let's stop here for a minute you remember those first six months after you became a christ follower remember those some of it some of you haven't been that long ago some of us it's been for me it's been 22 years but i do remember how passionate everything i looked at looked like god you know i saw god in everything i i i, I uh Everything, everything I talked about was God. Everything I thought about was God. Everything, everything I, that I consumed had something of God in it. I, I, was, I was hungry. It says, when you stood your ground in a, a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. And notice here, your confidence cannot be taken from you. You have to throw it away. Let's, let's stop here for a minute. That's important to see that. Let me ask you a question. Can, 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 I, can you take my confidence from me? No. You can insult me. You can, you can be bad to me. But you cannot take my confidence. I have to throw it away. You, no other person, no demonic spirit, no other human being has the ability to take our confidence from us. You have to throw it away. He says, do not throw away your confidence. All right, keep, keep going here, all right? He says, uh, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith... And notice this is another interesting phrase here, okay? And if he shrinks back, and notice here, I'm not being pushed back. I'm not being shoved back. I'm retreating by my own will. In other words, you can't make me shrink back. I have to decide to retreat. And he says, listen, don't, don't retreat. Don't shrink back. Stand your ground, side by side if necessary. Listen to what he says. I will not be pleased with him, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who believe and are saved now apparently there's only two options here you can to be shrink back and be destroyed or you can believe and be saved and both of them by the way require our will our decision sometimes we think other things are controlling us when they're not we're really more in more control than we think I, we, so there's two options shrink back be destroyed best plan one plan believe and be saved the difference between those two people is confidence. This is, why he, this is why he goes into this. Don't throw away your confidence. Now, yeah, I'm a big sports fan, and I mean, I love watching sports. I, mean, I love watching not only the, the game itself and the X's and O's of the game, but I enjoy the psychology of sports. I enjoy. You know, uh, when you see athletes that have confidence, in fact, it's required, if you're going to be an exceptional pro or college athlete, it's, uh, or any athlete of any uh, uh, renown, you almost have to be borderline arrogant. That's why you see they're very self-assured people. They, but there's an amazing amount of confidence. I used to be around, I, I've done pro baseball, as a, play, a play-by-play announcer for a double A double-A team for the Giants for three years, and I've... I used to do play-by-play for a pro basketball team. So I've been around a lot of pro athletes. and I, So it, it was an, I was always taken back by how confident they were. And, and some of them were just average, but they were confident. And then have you ever watched a, uh, an athlete lose their confidence, how sad that is to watch? Baseball players are the worst. My friend, I have a friend who's a center fielder of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, Vernon Wells. He goes to Gateway Church, and he was there when I was the, one of the pastors there. And I hung out with him some. He just made the all-star team. But back in, uh, back in late April, early May, he went like 0 for 22. Because every morning I get up, I check his box score. And I noticed he had a lot of 0s on him. He was 0 for 22. So I prayed for him one morning for his confidence. And he's a godly guy. I mean, he's a, he's a giver, a, a servant. He's a real godly guy. So I was praying for my brother, you know, my friend, who I know. He, he, it was his job. And if you were on your job and, you know, you're a plumber and the last 22 sinks you fixed blew up, I and mean, it, it, it messed with your confidence, too. That's the way I think about it. The last 22 times he was trying to do his job, he failed as he was struggling with his confidence. So I prayed, Lord, give him his confidence. We made the all-star team. I don't think it was because of my prayers. probably because of good coaching and he practiced more, you know, or whatever, you know. But athletes that lose their confidence, man, it is sad to watch. They, I mean, you can go south real quick when you lose your confidence. And it's not about your ability. It's about your confidence, what you believe about yourself. Well, I, I used to coach high school basketball when I was in my early 20s, and I... We had this team, we were terrible. I mean, we were, we were short, but we were slow. I mean, we, was, we were bad. Sometimes, we, and we were playing this school, I'll never forget, it, uh, Plain Dealing, Louisiana. Plain Dealing, they, are, they were they're unbelievable. And, and, and so we, they were in our district. So we played them twice a year, once at their place, once at our place. So the first time we played them at Plain Dealing, they beat us so bad, they put their cheerleaders in in the fourth quarter, just to not embarrass us. It was bad. I mean, they ran up down the floor. We, it was was bad, and so coming. It was the last game of the season. We had them at our place, and we had no business even being in the gym with them. Now I had a seven-footer on my team that could barely dunk the basketball. This is how bad we were. Seven foot tall. He was about two fifty. Could barely dunk it. Never had never dunked in a game, and then I had a kid on my team named Caleb. Now Caleb was a really good athlete. He was he was our best athlete. He was about five ten. He was a really he was a, a a. an all-state kicker, though, in the football team. he's a really good athlete. He played basketball just to kill the time, you know, until football, spring football. But he was our best athlete. And in that game, uh, the problem with Caleb, though, he was a really godly kid. But Caleb, when, when the, a game started, did, uh, he went deaf. He did nothing I ever said. I mean, it was just like when the game was over, great kid. I, I liked hanging out with him, a great godly kid. When the game, when the buzzer went off, he went deaf, wouldn't listen to me. I mean, about six or seven times a game, I'd have to pull him out and sit him down. and Said, "Caleb, are you even listening to anything I ask?" Are you, he's running one play; the other four guys are running another play. He's that kind of kid. But he was our best athlete. I had to put him on the court. You know, I couldn't bench him. He was, only, he, was our, he was our only hope. So here we are against plain dealing. I'll never forget it. Plain. We were tied with five seconds to go. How in the world that happened? To this day, I have no idea. How in the world, we're tied with plain dealing with five seconds to go, but somehow, some way, we got the basketball in our hands, and guess whose hands it went to? Caleb. And I'm yelling, Caleb, Caleb. I, there was a play we were supposed to run. He totally ignored everything I was asking him to do, shot it at the buzzer, bam, went in. And I was like, man, I'm so glad he didn't listen to me. I mean, he just nailed it. I mean, from about 25 feet, just stood up and popped. And so we won the game, biggest win that we had ever had against this team, and it was an amazing win. But something happened in Caleb that day. A new confidence. We were terrible, we were getting beat all the time. This confidence, I could just see it in him. Fast forward about three years later, Caleb is kicking, he's a kicker for a division one football team, and I was watching him on TV, line up for a last second field goal to win the game. And the camera went right to his face. And I remember telling Pam, He's gonna this is money. I could see it on his face. He was zoned in. He was looking. He knew where the ball was gonna be snapped. Sure enough, ball snapped, pow. Split the uprights, he wins. I can almost always tell. You show me a, a, a close-up of the kicker's face, and he's got that panic deer in the headlights look. That's not a good sign. But if you got, if you see a guy zoned in, focused, confident, that's a whole, it's almost always money. Now, even the greatest kickers have missed last-second field goals. Michael Jordan didn't hit every game-winning shot at the at the buzzer. In fact, he was less than a 50% shooter for his career. You'll look it up. The best basketball player in the world was missed half, over half his shots, and there were lots of game-ending buzzer beaters that he missed. But the the deal, the difference between Michael Jordan and most other players was, is that Michael Jordan was convinced that every time he shot it, it was going to go in. Larry Bird had this. Real famous saying, he says, the only way to get out of a slump is to shoot your way out of a slump. Well, I always thought that when I was playing, you know, just give me the ball, I'll shoot until I make it. Now I was a ball hog, you know, shoot your way out of a slump. That's the point is, if you're confident, you don't mind taking the shot. It it doesn't matter if you miss it. Failure to a confident person is not devastating. Failure is just another opportunity to try again. Confident people see failure completely different than people who don't have confidence. It's just an opportunity to start over. Let's do that again then. And the next time the ball snaps, I'm going to hit it. The next time I get the shot at the buzzer, I'm going to hit it. Everything I shoot is going to go in. That's what confident people believe. But there, there's, there's something about confidence that I believe is missing in a lot of men in, in church. They walk around and I, I can see it in their eyes. Something has happened to drain them of this confidence that God has given us. I mean, I think we should be the most confident people on the planet. I mean, Christ is risen. Our sins are forgiven. We are sentenced to heaven. Uh, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And can I go, you may me to go on and on? We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. I mean, well, what's the problem? Why are we camping out over here? With this shame and embarrassment or guilt, why, and why in the world are we ending up over here with this pride or this arrogance when God has called us to live this lifestyle as confident men? Men that are, we make mistakes, but we just pick it up and try again the next day. And we are just convinced that everything we do, God's going to bless, and we're going to see victory at the end. I just believe that God wants to infuse us this morning with something of confidence. So I, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I really have felt God give me this energy, this strength. And, and, and I've been reading this for myself, because I'm, I, I feel like I've kind of lost a little of my confidence. So I'm a pretty confident guy, you know, I'm not afraid of much. But I felt like God, that there were some enemies of my own confidence. And so I, I began to look at some things and say, Lord, is there anything that, what is it that's caused me to lose my confidence? And what you've called me to do. And that's why I began to pray for these big prayers, these big, audacious, dream center prayers. And by the way, there's some miraculous things that could happen pretty quick i mean where huge buildings could be handed to us and a huge amount of resources could be dropped in our lap to pastor our city and it, so it takes confidence to ask for that though i mean can we even run it can we do it can we accomplish this yeah i think we can I mean, god's called us to do it and so i begin to pray my prayers begin to change instead of this lord please rescue us prayers i said lord i begin to pray confident prayers let's take the ground kind of prayers and so I want to, I'm going to share with you this morning just four things that I think can rob us of our confidence that I think we should all be aware of. That, that if you will embrace and resist these four things, you'll be a very confident man. God can use confident people. God needs confident men right now. Don't you agree? We, we need ground takers. We don't, we don't need men shrinking back, living in the foxhole. We, we need men who'll take the beach right now. I'm not here to rouse you up with some feel-good speech. I'm, I'm here to tell you what you are. Who you are and what you we, we all of us should be doing. But there are four enemies that I found in Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 12, four distinct enemies, very good enemies of our confidence. Here's number one, fear. You're afraid of something, it'll, it'll drain you of your confidence. Verse 32 says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground. Now, this is interesting. These are all military terms here, okay? When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, listen to this, you stood side by side. Now, this is important. This is why these Saturday morning gatherings, this is why small groups are important. This is why coming to church on Sunday is important. You need to know that there are people standing with you. You need to know that you're not in this by yourself. It's not a matter of coming to the church building for some organizational meeting. That's not what that's about. Sunday's not about that at all to me. Sunday morning's about being with brothers and sisters and being reminded that I'm in this together with a group of people that I love, that love me. And that we can do bigger things together than I can by myself. That's what Sunday morning's about to me. That's what this morning's about to me. I look out across here and I go, we can do the Dream Center with just the guys in this room. We can, we can reach hundreds of thousands of people with the men in this room. That's what it reminds me of. And if there were 20 guys in here, I'd feel the same thing. If there were 3,000 guys in here, I'd feel the same thing. There's strength. There's something about being together that helps you get over your fears. You know, like Pam and the kids are gone for a week or two, you know, and I've been batching it. And, you know, that's fun for about two days. So I'm in day seven. Have you ever noticed this, that you hear things in the house when you're by yourself that you don't when other people are in the house? Now, I'm not afraid of it. I mean, I, I, got, I have a Glock 40 on my bedstand. I got a 12-gauge under my bed all the time, whether I'm there by myself or not. So, I mean, I, it's, it'd be a bad, it's a bad choice to come into my house at any time that I'm there. But, uh, but anyway, it's just when you're, when you're with somebody, you just feel braver, though. You just feel more confident when you're with somebody. Being by yourself, you can certainly be courageous by yourself, but there's something about being together that helps you overcome fears. But fear is something that will rob you. Here's the second one. This is a big one. Fatigue. You get tired, you're dangerous. You get tired is when you get susceptible. Hebrews 12, two chapters further on, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning a shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lose your confidence. Lose your heart. Don't get tired. Don't get fatigued. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Here's here's what he's saying. Get into a rhythm of life where it's more about Jesus than about you. Get into a a rhythm with, with Jesus. And by the way, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often relaxed. Jesus often was almost always with other people. Very rarely did he do ministry. In fact, we never see Jesus do ministry by himself. Jesus was the the least independent person that's ever walked the earth. He was the most submitted person that ever walked the earth. He, He did everything to get away from independence. He did everything as a team. And because of that, he didn't find that all the weight was always on him. And he could find a rhythm, a rhythm of sharing the weight with somebody. Jesus never, you never hear one time of Jesus being burned out. But he did a lot he got tired he slept well at night and he did a lot of stuff right but we don't ever hear of Jesus taking six months off because he was burned out or taking a break now, I don't mind people taking a break from ministry I think it's healthy from time to time but I think if you get into a rhythm of sharing the weight with other people you don't have to be burned out you don't have to be in this place of constant fatigue some of some of you I can look in your face every time I see you you look tired why why are you what how did that happen you're tired all the time Look, i got a big responsibility like the rest of you. I've I've got a big job to do. But I'm I'm hardly ever worn out. I don't ever ever get to the point of absolute exhaustion. Hardly ever. There have been a few days here in the last three years where I felt like I I was getting close to being toast, you know. But uh, I would take a couple weeks off then, and then I'd come back fine. Don't ever get to the place. And the reason is because people like Brad and Garvin and others who, we all do this together. We're all in this as a team. We don't, none of us. Take on something we can't do with without each other. In fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this job if I didn't have friends around me. In fact, I only hire friends. Because it's too hard to do with you're not my friend. And people have always say, it seems like the only people you hire is your friends. Yeah. That's right. I hire friends. They have to be competent and called and all those things, you know. But, but being, being friends is pretty important. And wherever you're doing right now, if you're doing it by yourself, you're headed for burnout. You're headed for exhaustion. And, and that'll, it'll take your confidence away if you don't live life with people who are carrying the weight with you. And listen, there's no badge of honor in heaven for being a workaholic. I tell, every time I stand in front of pastors, I tell them, you might as well be an alcoholic. Because workaholics have actually killed more church families than alcoholics. And we all, we, we all consider it this noble badge of honor that we doing something great for God what killing yourself hurting your family doing it all by yourself not empowering other people around you you're headed for fatigue and you're headed for you're losing your confidence when that happens we do things in squads here that's that's the brilliance of the military system we do things together as teams every foxhole was you dig a foxhole for how many people at least how many always at least two right they still do that there's always somebody in the foxhole with you. Number three, here's the third thing that will shake your confidence. It's failures. A long, prolonged list of failures. you just over for 22. I've shown 40 houses as a realtor. I've sold zero. That's a, that's a losing streak. And you start feeling like a failure. Look at verse 34. You, <laughs> these are an amazing group of people. Because Paul's, Paul's Paul is reminding them of the way they responded to failure. He says, you sympathize with those in prison. By the way, we, we have a man here that spent some time in prison for his faith. Brother Timothy is with us today. I want to introduce him in just a minute. He was just telling me of his experience. He got put in prison in China and uh, interrogated for his walk with Christ. And he said, um, you sympathize with those in prison. And joyfully, this is crazy, and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Here, take my house. Here, you can have both cars and that big screen. Hey, you can have it, man. All this is just stuff. I mean, what kind of people were these people? I mean, these were people that had gotten it. These were people, it didn't matter what you took from them. In fact, it's really interesting to read the early church history of when these men and women were thrown into prison or a lot of them, when they were fed to the lions, went out there with worship, singing worship songs as the lions were eating them. As the flames would lap over their heads and be burned, at the, they, would, they would be ch- praising God. And, and that's what the Romans and the Greeks were marveling at. We can't take their joy. What is wrong with these people that everything we do to them to take their joy increases their joy? I just, wouldn't it be great if we didn't wear our feelings on our sleeve all the time. Where we walked around as men full of joy, no matter what the, the, the headlines said, no matter what the economy said, no matter what the Dow did the day before, no matter in, no, nothing, uh, nothing could shake our faith. Nothing could shake our joy. Wouldn't that what a, an amazing group of people we could be? What a confident group of men we could be if no matter what someone said to us or what was done to us, our joy was never shaken. I love that about Brad this morning. That was that was that was. Sincere from his heart. That was a bad day yesterday. <laughs> it's a pretty rough day. I'm praying today is a much better for you, by the way. I prayed, I prayed that over you when you were up here. I said, Lord, give him a good day today. And everything he needs to pay all those bills and stuff. That's, that's an expensive day too. I was thinking as you know, most men, he was telling that, all the women would go, oh, we go, man, that's expensive. I was thinking, and my first thought was Man, that's, that's going to cost. I mean, I felt bad for your little girl's leg. I mean, but I did say, man, that emergency room bill, you got to get the carpet cleaned and replaced and transmissions aren't cheap. I was, I was adding it up for you down there. I was thinking, <laughs> sympathizing with your wallet. But failures, I mean, failures like this, I mean, they didn't, it didn't affect them. It a long list of failures, foreclosures, bankruptcies. You just couldn't shake them. They were just an unshakable group of people. Remember those earlier days. Here's here's the fourth thing that that can rob you of confidence. is frustration. Frustration and disappointment are, are the result of unmet expectations. You see, here's what happens. We tell God what he should do, how he should do it, and when he should do it. What he should do, how he should do it, and when he should do it. Now be honest. That's how you pray. That's how we pray, right? And we, if, if, we may not say it out loud, but in our minds we say, now God, I know you're busy with a lot of big issues, so let me just give you some deadlines here. Here's some things that, that you're probably not aware of that need to happen in my life in this timeline. And then what happens is it doesn't happen. And then you begin to go, oh, God's, God's far away, something's wrong with me. Like, can we leave open the possibility that God somehow in his infinite wisdom might know the best timing for this? That God, and see, what, that's why we get frust- frustrated, unmet expectations from God. Here, here's what you should expect from God, that he, he will hear you, he will hear you, and that his will will be done that's it that's what you should expect from God when you pray I confidently pray I know every time I pray I know he hears me and I know his will is going to be done that's it what else should we expect now I, I think it's okay to, to ask God for timing and say hey Lord by the end of the week could you show me something? well I mean it's okay to ask that I can tell you story after story of thinking I knew a better timing than God when I was, uh, I'll tell you one quick one. Uh, when I was 29 years old, I was living in Amarillo, Texas, and was really homesick to go back to Louisiana. And this television station called me. I was in TV at the time. And this TV station called me that was 20 miles from my hometown. And they offered me more money than I'd ever heard of. I mean, for a 29-year-old in that time, during the, in the late 90s, they were offering me a lot of money to come back to my hometown. Now, what better get? And I just thought that was the perfect answer to prayer. I mean, I'd have been saying, Lord, I want to go back. I'd love to be around. My, my parents were getting older, and all our family was back there. And we were out in the middle of nowhere in West Texas. The end of the earth is like three miles away out there. And, you know, and, and we loved Amarillo, but it wasn't home to us. And then the, the TV station offered me $20,000, $30,000 more than I was making at the time to come back to my hometown. Now, think about that. It's, it's like that's, that's a no brainer, right? The problem is I had to pray about it. So, that, so I walked outside, I'll never forget. The guy called me, here. said, Brady, you're our guy. And it was the general manager's position. I was 29. I mean, it was a really big opportunity. And he started, they were going to put us up in an apartment for six months until we found a house. They were going to blah, blah, blah. I mean, they were, really came after me. And I, it was, in, you know, it made my, helped me, my feelings that somebody wanted to hire me. So I was writing down the offer, and Pam was watching it as I was writing down the numbers. And she was, and, and it was near our hometown. I hung up the phone. I said, wow. I'll never forget it. Wow. I said, well, I need to, we need to pray about it. I told a guy. The guy knew I was, it was a he knew I was a, a Christian. I said, well, I'm, I need to pray about this for a day, at least a day, and I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. He goes, okay. So I said, well, Pam, I'm going to go for a walk. And literally, this is what happened. Ten minutes after, the, I hung up the phone and said, wow, I put on my, my shoes. I'm going for a walk. I walk out the door. I said, Lord, can you show me your will? You know, thinking that it would take a while to get an answer. And the Lord just went, No! almost audibly, no, it's not your, it's not my Will Brady. Man, my heart sunk in the front yard of my house. That's my hometown though. Be close to my dad, my mom. The Lord said, no. Literally, I turned around, walked back in the house, and said, Pam, he said no. She goes, you just left the house. (laughs) I went, I know I know how to hear the Lord's voice, and he just said no. So Pam prayed about it. She heard the same thing. No. All right, that was July or August. No, it was May or June. Two months later, a woman walks up to me, six months pregnant, at Trinity Fellowship, and says, You want to adopt my son? I'm pregnant. I can't raise this baby. Would you and Pam be my can pray about being his parents when he's born. You see, <laughs> Pam and I talk about this all the time. We would have been gone. Abram wouldn't be in our life. I mean, I got a little 11-year-old boy who's in my life because I, I didn't go back to my hometown and live, take that job. Two years later, another woman walks up to us and says, I'm pregnant with a little girl. You want her? Because We stayed. And see, that's, that's when you obey. I'm talking about, what if we have a long losing streak, though? <laughs> that's a winning streak I just told you about. You see, well, I'm telling you about the winning streak because now I'm really confident about hearing the Lord's voice on stuff. You don't need but a couple of those things to happen, and you kind of start, it's a pretty fun gig now. God really does know what he's doing. And that lowers my frustration level. It keeps me confident. You understand what I'm, are y'all catching what I'm saying today? How confident are you in hearing God's voice and being led by the Spirit and not by your flesh? Can you even tell the difference between your flesh and the Spirit? My flesh said, I'm going back to my hometown and making more money than I've ever made in my life. That's flesh. And if I didn't, had not been a man of the Spirit, I would have never heard God say, no. I'd have done it. I'd followed my flesh the rest of my life. And the flesh feels good, by the way. This is why it's so tricky. The flesh is strong and it feels good because it Create, most of the time, the flesh satisfies really good desires. So I'm asking you a question today. Are you confident as a man to hear God's voice? Or are you frustrated because nothing that you've planned has worked out the way you thought it would? Today, maybe, here's the, here's, here's, and this is totally different than what I thought I was going to share, but I, this is the direction that I just felt God just took me on this morning. It's not the way I planned to end this i just feel like today that some of you are disappointed with god it hadn't worked out the way you thought and he not met your he hasn't met your timelines and you're mad at him now let me tell you this god doesn't have he, you can't hurt god's feelings so i think it's okay to say god i'm really mad at you i'm disappointed in the way things are happening I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Now I think the problem is you better be willing to listen to what he's gonna say back to you. That's the problem. Cause he's gonna probably tell you to put your big boy pants on, man up, and start listening and obeying more, and trust in him. Now, all this is is a matter of trust, guys. Do you trust him or not? Are you confident today in who you are? Are you confident in who God is? Confident. I'm looking for some confident men to do something pretty big in the city. I just need—I don't need a hand, but a, a handful of you, I think. But I'd love for all of you to be a part of that. But I need some of you to come alongside me right now. I need confident men who will believe for big things right now in the city. Huge. It's bigger than anything I've ever done, and I've done some big stuff. But this is big—the biggest thing I've ever dreamed about, and, I, and it's for our church. It's not my dream. It's, it's the church. I've, As the leader here, I believe God's called us to do this, to pastor our city. These 600,000 people need a pastor right now, and I'm looking at them. Y'all are looking at me, I'm looking at you. (laughs) 600,000 people need a pastor, and it's going to require a great deal of confidence. It's going to require men who are led by the Spirit. It's going to require men who have bold faith, who don't. Shrink back very easily, who are willing to s- sacrifice if needed. So I'm asking you to pray about that, okay? I'm gonna pray over you today. Can I ask you to just bow your head for a second? I really do feel the Lord kind of changed directions this morning, that there's some hitting on something. I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. There's some of you that are just really disappointed in God right now, you've lost your confidence. God wants to come today and give you back your confidence. Would you, I want you to really listen to what I'm about to say. This, this is a prophetic word for you. God's not finished with you. God's not disappointed in you. God has something for you that is more than you've asked and more than we can imagine, right? That's what Ephesians says, now to him who is able, to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine I'd like for across this room for some of you as many of you that need to start asking God again for something big in your life you're, you're so disappointed right now that you can't even pray about it you've lost the courage to even ask because you've been disappointed so much in the past that your big prayers haven't been answered, been answered the way you thought they would be can you just Confess to the Lord this morning that you're disappointed. Ask him to restore your confidence. And then as a sign that you're willing to do your part, would you ask for something big this morning? Something bigger than you've ever prayed in a while. Maybe you've never prayed about it at all, but God's going to show you something this morning to pray for. Big, something big. Let me go through that again. Confess to the Lord that you're disappointed ask him to restore your confidence and then ask the Lord for something bigger than you've asked for in a long time the Father in heaven we come to you as men and we know that the greatest weapon we have in our arsenal and our fight against the enemy is to have an honest heart before you Lord so Father in Jesus name I pray if there are men in this room who are disappointed in you or in themselves or whatever their disappointment is, our Father, we confess it before you today. And we, we ask, Lord, you to take this disappointment away. Help us to trust you again for our future and for our, for our day today. Father, in heaven, I pray right now that you'd give us back our confidence. In this room, there's a few hundred men that are in this room represent a small army of men who can do something great for you, but we need our confidence back. Or we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We're we're a tribe of men who believe and are saved. Or we believe today, so that we can be saved. We're not men who shrink back. We're not men who are going to throw away our confidence. We are men who believe and will be saved. So, Lord, give us back our confidence today. Restore back to us. And, Lord, help us to never throw it away again. It can't be taken from us. So, Lord, help us not to relinquish it, to give it up anymore. Father in heaven, my prayer for our city today is for a building bigger than we think we need, better than we deserve. And, Lord, I pray it would be a donated space big enough to pastor our city and, Lord, I am believing you for the monthly resources that are necessary to operate that building so that the, the greatest areas of pain that aren't being met in our city can be met and that the gospel can be proclaimed, that people will come to Jesus, that men and women and kids and teenagers, students, Lord, can be set free from the bondages of alcohol and drugs, eating disorders, uh, that they can be set free from the pain... Of the abuse that they've suffered and if they can find a new life in Christ the same as we found father that's my big prayer now lord i i pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in jesus name for the glory of jesus for the fame of jesus in jesus name amen 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 you receive that? All right. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. Come I back. I, I want all of you guys to really, I don't want you, I know if you got a bug out, you got some, but I want you to take advantage. We got some great speakers in these breakout sessions. And, and by the way, this is like a, you know, this is like a, a half day men's conference. This is what these are, are supposed to be. And we got some really rich teachers this morning that it would be a shame not for you not to take advantage of their wisdom. Uh, this morning, Tim Evans is going to be teaching on communications and marriage. In other words, how to talk to your wife. Come on. Every one of us need to be in for that. They are from Venus, all right? And uh, we're from Mars. So, I mean, so uh, Tim, will you stand up so everybody can see you? This is Tim Evans, one of my friends. He's a great, great guy here in our church. I love him a lot. And uh, Garvin McCarroll is going to be talking about boundaries for raising kids. Pastor Garvin, 32 years, is, in my opinion, one of the five best dads I've ever met in my life. And I mean that. That's big because I know a lot of great dads. He's one of the top five. And, uh, and so I'm, it's a privilege to have him on our pastoral staff. And he'll be uh, teaching in just a moment on uh, boundaries for raising kids. Rion Haynes is here, but he is going to uh, relinquish his time to uh, Brother Timothy. Would you stand this morning? Let us uh, see you. This is Brother Timothy from uh, China. And um, he's, he is—he's uh, actually a U.S. citizen, but he and his wife are in China. They live in China. He's been—he's been put in jail. He oversees 10,000 churches in the underground China. so he got he's got—he's kind of a big deal in China. With uh, with Jesus is using him to do a great thing. And uh, I've known him for years. He was a part of uh, mission support, and we supported him for years. And he—he he is really, really dynamic. If you want to hear what God's doing in China and the persecuted church there, this is. An amazing opportunity for that. All right. Also, speaking of missions, uh, Dan, Be- Dan Batchelder. Always get his. Sorry about his last name. Dan Batchelder. We stand up. Dan has got a ministry called uh, um, Morning Star in Afghanistan. Uh, he does an amazing work throughout Afghanistan. He's a New lifer. Dan's been a part of New Life for many years, but his ministry in Afghanistan is cutting edge. They they go into the rawest, hardest parts of Afghanistan and do leadership training And all kinds of things, uh, but they are putting a dent in the universe right now in Afghanistan. And so his table is out there. Right when you leave those doors, there's a big table out there, and he's wanting to take some men to Afghanistan. We just got a team just came back from there, but we need to take several more teams in there to really do what God's called us to do through him. So if you're interested in at least exploring that, take a look at his table when you go out, all right? All right, look on the back. Everybody got this page? Look on the back real quick. We have a retired Colonel uh, Ted Severn is here. Uh, Colonel, would you stand up real quickly? This is a really good man who's going to be talking about today's military. He's a, a retired combat veteran uh, and I've uh, heard some of his stories today at breakfast, and I'm fascinated by what God is using in, doing in him. And he's going to talk about understanding military families. And guys, this is a huge call on our church to take care of military families. And uh, he's going to tell you some practical ways if you want to help the families of military men and women. He's going to be talking about that. Mark Fay, where's Mark? I didn't see Mark. Mark's in the back right here. Mark Fay is a member of a new life. He's going to talk about marketplace ministry. This man is uh, the, the consultant. He's a, a pastor. He's a, a leader. But uh, any time with Mark Fay is time well spent. I can promise you that. And then uh, last but not least, Matthew Ayers is going to be talking about uh, what we're doing in, uh, in the city right now. Matthew, where's Matthew right now? Matt, stand up here, Matthew. Let, Pastor Matthew is a part of our pastoral staff. Th- this is a guy that does everything we're doing right now with the Dream Center. Uh, so if you want to hear more about what the Dream Center, what God's doing in our city, some opportunities to serve in our city, this is what he does every day for us here on a part of our pastoral staff. All right, last thing, uh, put on your calendar for August the 14th for our next guys morning out. And I want you to especially invite military people that you know that are unchurched because we're going to have a very special guest speaker uh, retired three-star general Jerry Boykin is going to be our speaker on August the 14th. I've had lots of times with uh, General Boykin. Uh, he was the commanding general in Black Hawk Down. So if you've seen that movie Black Hawk Down, that was him. He commanded that entire operation. He also was uh, one of the founding members of Delta Force. He and Chuck Norris. And that, <laughs> a lot of people actually believe Chuck Norris started Delta Force. You know, That's simply a movie. But uh, but. The, but when you see this guy, uh, there's no doubt who the retired three-star general is. He's the uh, Jerry Borkins like John Wayne to me when he walks in the room. And this guy has got some of the most amazing leadership stories. Uh, and he's a devoted Christ follower. I mean, crazy hair on fire Christ follower. I mean, but uh, but he's he's a he's a real man's man, and he's uh, got some. I told him just to come tell a story. I mean, just tell him tell us what God did in him to get his heart. he's a, he's a leader of leaders. I mean and uh we're just thrilled to death to have him in August so but I really want he this guy every time he speaks people get saved especially soldiers you're talking about somebody who can look at a young private telling them that he needs Jesus and they all say yes sir and come receive Jesus i mean it's a and it's and so uh especially so if you have friends and family uh, that have any military they'll they'll probably know who this guy is if not you just google his name uh Jerry Boykin and he's a he's very very well known uh military leader, but he's a very sincere Christ follower. And I, I wouldn't have somebody famous if they weren't a Christ follower. I mean, this guy, is a, when I heard him talk, and I've just, I just hung out with him on the back deck a couple of times for two or three hours, and uh, just his heart is solid gold. I love him already, you know. So August 14th, we'll do that, all right? It'll be fun to have him here. We'll have breakfast, worship. Jerry Boykin, no breakouts on the 14th, because I want the time to be his. He can just share and talk. And You'll sit on the edge of your seat for as long as he talks. I'm just telling you, he's 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 amazing stories that he tells. So uh, anyway, let me pray over you one more time. Make sure you go to one of these breakouts. These are really, really good sessions you're about to go to. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the work that you're doing in us, among us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, where we welcome the Holy Spirit's work in our lives today. So let the Word of God come forth. Let the power of God come forth in these breakout sessions. And Lord, we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Hey, have a good morning. Make sure you go to a session. They can stop by that table.